This episode is brought to you by RLD Group. On a mission to reboot leadership drive, eradicate burnout in tech, and help transform technical experts lacking people leadership skills from being a company's biggest liability into their greatest asset. On this episode of Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury. You look at organizations talking about the fact that they're having trouble hiring really great people. Well, how many years of really great people did you let collapse figuratively on the floor and, and lose those people? And so it just doesn't make any sense to me because it's really the super, like the overachievers that you most need to really think about because the, the overachiever burnout club is the big burnout club. Trust me, it is not the slackers who are like, you know, playing video games and then someone comes over. It's the overachievers. Like you're losing your most profitable employees who work overtime, who work double time during the hours they work. Leaders in tech are burning out at an absurd rate. Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury is a no-BS conversation with a female executive who spent over 25 years in Silicon Valley. If you're suffering from the always-on, never-good-enough, we'll-replace-you-today machine called the tech space, this show will help you reboot your leadership drive. Here's Lisa. Control-Alt-Delete is about rebooting your leadership drive. It's about rebooting your mindset. It's about rebooting your business process. I'm so excited today to have Angelique Brewers here today. Because if there's anyone who can talk to us about rebooting all of those things, her vantage point and her insight is something I seek out. I've joined her community and collective, and she has not only elevated our business, but she's really helped me see why what we do matters so much right now. Angelique, I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for being on Control-Alt-Delete. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited and I'm honored to be here. So thank you for asking me. Oh, yes. I was a yes the minute we started talking about this. So I want to jump right into it because I know tech leaders are busy yeah, and there's a lot going on. And I'd love to just get right there. I mean, you're known for all of the information that you share as a media commentator, as a CEO of your business, having your corporate background, and I'll get to your formal intro in just a second. But I really would just love to know what's on your heart and on your mind right now. What do leaders in tech really need to be thinking about as we look at this year ahead? Because it's not going anywhere. No, it's really not. I think one of the big things that's on my mind is the lack of appreciation for strategic communications, both internally and externally with organizations and how the lack of understanding of how to communicate with humans and communicate well is adding this extra layer of unnecessary burden on teams, on customers, on leaders. And it's really on my heart as someone who came out of communications that so many of the things that we're suffering from as a society right now and in the marketplace and in the business world all comes down to a complete lack of appreciation. And we see that significantly in the technology space because so much value is placed on technology skills mm-hmm. and the developers and the you know the latest technologies and purchasing acquiring you know those cutting edge technologies and so because of that, and we see it even with the pandemic, right? The scientists, the you know, the brainiacs, the medical community, just a lack of communication skills. So I'd love to talk more about that today because I think it's adding a tremendous amount 
to the entire burnout story that's out there. It's it's playing into the great resignation, the great realignment. And so that's really the thing that's keeping me awake at night right now. I love this so much. So whether you are the CEO, a board member, frontline manager, brand new employee, I think you should lean in. Actually, I'm going to invite you to lean into this conversation because strategic communications can make or break your business. And what Angelique, what you just said, I could feel it. I had got like a goosebump, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, that's, we need to talk about this. And so thank you for that. I'm going to just do a quick intro so that when everyone's leaning in and grabbing their cup of coffee, this is why you want to listen to Angelique. So I'm going to give you the formal intro for a second, because it's just amazing. So Angelique Ruers is the bold, always blunt and unapologetic CEO of Bold House on the Inc. 5000 company that trains and advises both small enterprise and self-employed professionals on winning corporate clients. She's been called the undisputed champion at helping small businesses land big clients by Inc. Magazine. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of key fun facts because this this is going to blow your mind and why you want to listen. She's among the top 2% of women-owned businesses. At Bold House is a global online community of 35,000 business owners and mentored over 10,000 small businesses in 72 countries. So whatever country you're in, whatever's going on, you want to listen. Bold House Global Conferences bring entrepreneurs together with major brands like Coca-Cola, UPS, AT&T, Accenture, Intel, IBM, HP, Marriott, Chevron, Major League Baseball, and many more. And that list, I know it to be many more, but look at how many tech industry companies are right there. So she's also on the advisory board for Space for Humanity, which is a nonprofit expanding access to space for all of humanity, as well as on the committee for the United Nations Women, Peace, and Humanitarian Fund. Like this is no joke, Angelique. There's so much here. And she's on the cover of Business Digest magazine, and she was called a fierce champion for small business owners. And her expertise has been featured by Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc. Magazine, Essence, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNBC, Business Insider, Huffington Post, Lucky, Washington Post, and YFI FM, PM, YFI PM. Here's the deal too. She's shared stages with superstars like Hollywood Steve Harvey, Shark Tank's Damon John, best-selling author Seth Godin, and NFL Super Bowl champion Jamal Lewis. Angelique, I think everyone needs to be listening to what you have to say right now. And I'm so glad you're here. Well, you're very kind, Lisa. Thank you. You know, sometimes as I listen to that, I'm like, wow, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Here's the thing. You might be old, but you are wise. And I think the thing that I really appreciate about you having been mentored by you and working with you and having you here is how much you do your own research because you're always bringing the truth forward as to what's going on. Like, I really appreciate when we put air quotes old, Mm because to me, that's experience and learning. Um, so yeah, yeah. Let's, let's jump in, my friend. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so tell me more strategic communications and appreciation yeah. of yeah, it. Yeah, so you important. look, so you look at you look at everything that's happening right now, right? So whether it's coming from the federal government, whether it's coming from supply chain partners, whether it's coming from local government, whether it's coming uh, from customers, the amount of rework that we create the amount of anxiety that we create for people, the amount of uncertainty 
that we create for people. You know, here's something that I have, I've said on stages that I've spoken at, and it's really interesting because you said in my intro that I'm, I'm bold and direct and unapologetic and that that cannot be more true. And so I was speaking a lot at conferences this year. And one of the, one of the things that I really just stuck a fork in a number of times was this idea of there being all this uncertainty in the marketplace. And, you know, what happens is a lot of times the world sort of gets its teeth into an idea and then it just, that's just it. Everyone sort of starts repeating whatever it is and then everyone else repeats it. And it just becomes almost like this record that's running. And whenever I hear something being said over and over and over again, to me, that's a red flag because now people have almost put it almost like on autopilot in their brain and they're not bringing critical thinking to solve the problems. So I'm like, wait a second, how uncertain is all of this? Now, don't get me wrong. The pandemic has been very uncertain, uh, whether there's going to be another video variant, whether certain governments internationally with the airlines are going to do all of that, like we don't know. But business and organizations have acted with a great deal of predictability, in some cases, inevitability, right? So you look at sort of like what's happening and all the major things that have happened that companies have taken action were completely predictable. They were all logical, what they were going to do, what companies are doing right now is really logical. We're seeing a lot of companies, I think it was Allstate most recently said, we're not going back to the office. Well, mark my words, three to five years from now, that pendulum is going to swing back the other direction because all the things that people forget about not having the gathering places and the stress of everyone sort of being disjointed and all over and not being able to indoctrinate people into culture and all of those challenges will at some point be, will tip things in the other direction. That's very predictable. That's not uncertain. That's going to happen. And so I just, I think that when we talk about communications, we have to understand that if we don't have the professional communicators at the right decision-making tables, giving guidance, being heard by the leaders of this is how you need to communicate to your employees to take the burden off of them. But so many elements of the burnout, uh, fatigue, exhaustion that people are facing right now was actually self-inflicted. And until we recognize that we're self-inflicting, there are certain things in business we're never going to get rid of. We are never going to get rid of the fact that a natural disaster could cause something, a big conference to be turned upside down because of a natural disaster. You'll have a big customer who cancels on you, um, or you'll get hacked, or a key team member will leave all of a sudden, or a last minute acquisition, like a surprise acquisition or merger happens. Those are natural things in business where we have the ability to really make an impact in organizations is to stop all the self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> and that's like that. And, and so many of them come back to communications. Oh my gosh. I, I hope I'm not giggling over you talking. I, this is, oh, I want to scream like preach, preach it because <laughs> Every client we have, every executive we work with, every workshop or VIP day or retreat that we run, we always, always this. Okay. I'm just saying yes. And I'm going to say this. When you think about leadership and people are like, oh, that's influence or charisma or executive presence or command. I mean, all that. Yes. And without communication skills and clarity, 
you're forget about it. This it is self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just saying yes. When you were talking about it, one of the things that really was showing up for me loud and clear was anyone sitting on the call or listening in right now going, I'm not doing that to myself. What do you mean? It's self-inflicted. Like almost like resisting what you're saying. So my first reaction was to like really celebrate it. And then, but I really want to do is for anyone who's going, I don't, I don't know, Angelique, I think we're fine. We have like a corporate comms team and they roll out things once a year. What is it something that a leader could do right now to be, to empower themselves, to look at this lens? Like how can we help them right now in this moment to see what they can do about it rather than having it be someone else's problem or marketing or corporate comms? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing, right, is to simplify what we're saying to teams. Mm. There is so leaders and corp com people. I was one, but a lot of times it's not the corp com people that are trying to do it. They're, they're the ones fighting against it. Organizations sort of twist themselves in knots, trying to figure out how to diplomatically say certain things. And by the time any communication gets out to team members, it actually doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> you know, there's no substance <laughs> yeah. there. There's no there there. I think the idea of you know, communicating more regularly. One of the really cool things that happened during the pandemic, but we've already started to see a backslide with this in, in the marketplace. And I, I would just really encourage leaders not to do this. In the early days of the pandemic, when everyone moved home to work from home and everyone suddenly found themselves, you know, in front of Zoom and we were all like, there was a sense that we were all holding on to one another. Like we were like, holy crap, this is scary. And we're all just going to hold on to one another because if we if we hang on energetically, like we're holding hands, we're going to get through this, right? So there was just kind of like this, almost like we were around we were around the campfire together, but the campfire was like around Zoom, and we all sort of leaned into that. During that time, leaders let their guards down, and I'm also part of the work that's done at 100% Human at Work, which is which is through Virgin, and so we had a lot of these sort of gatherings on that we'd come together and sort of discuss what was happening and. What we heard from really most continents was that leaders were actually showing up on Zoom, senior, senior leaders that hardly ever would ever talk to employees unless, you know, a a professional communications person did 29 and a half rounds of edits through their email before it went out. And they were in front of Zoom with their hoodies on and their cats were or dogs were jumping on their lap and the family photos were behind them and the floor was a mess and because they had like laundry or maybe the toddler's toys or whatever. And suddenly employees were actually getting really frank communication from their leaders and leaders were didn't have time to edit. They only had time to communicate. They had to say like, guys, this is what we're up against and this is what's going on. And this is the, you know, this is the challenge we're up against and sort of the rock and the hard place we're caught between. And so they were really honest and they they communicated in a heartfelt, transparent way. And that is like made a massive difference to employees. And then we've started to see almost like a, like a receding of that, like the waters are receding and, and, and leaders are sort of pulling back again. And that's a huge mistake because when we communicate with employees in a really transparent way and we, you know, Hollywood treats audiences like we're stupid. I don't know if you've ever like heard yeah. that, but like a lot of times in movies, they treat us like we're idiots, right? In the first version of A Quiet Place, they talked about how they intentionally left clues that the audience had to figure out. They had to put the pieces together themselves because they gave the audience more credit. And I think that leaders, what I would encourage leaders to do is give your employees more credit 
that if you explain to them sort of the challenge that they're up against, yes, we know that you guys would like to be able to work from home more often. From a business perspective here, some of our challenges that we're looking at, here's some of the things that we have to deal with. We have these leases, we have this. And I think it's about the the ability to trust your employees to be able to empathize a little bit more when you explain the actual business challenge. I know we do that at Bold House with our team. We're a little bit more open and we say, I know you guys would all wish we could do this, but here's why we can't do that. And there's, and it, it really, I think you gain a lot of respect and, and you really take a lot of pressure off of teams if you are being straight with them and then they can plan accordingly and they don't feel like the rug got ripped out from under them because you were sort of saying one thing and now you're pulling back on that or you're changing directions, which causes, you know, tremendous, tremendous anxiety and anxiety left running amok. I mean, if we just stay in a constant state of stress and anxiety, then we're just asking for chronic fatigue and burnout. Totally. This is so interesting. The the lens you're putting on this right now, I'm really grateful for it. We have quite a few clients who are in sales organization, the sales divisions within tech. And, you know, every year it's like, make your number and then revisit everything and flip the territories and move the teams. And the the employees, the sales reps are always like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Give me scoop. And the salespeople are like, sales leader, no, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Right. And then all of a sudden it changes like in a day. And all the sales reps are like, I knew this was coming. Can we just talk about it? Right. So we have been talking with our clients about being like, what can you share? What is what's okay to share right now to let them know that you're not either clueless or holding something back. Yeah. Because you can always say, here's what I can share today. Here's what I know for sure. Or here's what I'm thinking about or something to let that human back. And I'm so grateful for this example you're sharing Yeah. because I know for sure with every bone in my body, less anxiety equals less burnout. It absolutely it's does. That's I mean- how it goes. Well, and we've all been carrying around all this pandemic anxiety, even when we're not realizing that we're carrying around this pandemic anxiety, right? There have been a couple of interesting op-eds recently on both. Interestingly, one was in the Wall Street Journal, another was in the Atlantic, and they said almost the exact same thing, which is interesting because you have sort of a more conservative viewpoint and a much more liberal viewpoint. So really opposite ends of the spectrum. But honestly, the the two sort of pieces could have been published. And, you know, so that's interesting when you have something that you, you could have put either masthead on it and it would have still worked. I mean, when can you ever do that today? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the, it was really interesting because essentially both publications are calling for the fact that we lay down the pandemic, that we like let go of it because we're, we're just carrying like this heavy burden that even if certain elements of our life have gone back to normal, that we are still carrying around with us sort of this, I mean, they didn't use these exact words, but we're carrying around the burden with us. And so you add that to the burden that, um, employees were already carrying. And it's no wonder. The thing that scares me the most though, Lisa, to be honest, and it's why I think the work that that you are doing is so critical, why organizations have to be having conversations with you about this, is that the pandemic is nothing compared to the burden that's coming over the next decade as it relates to accelerated adoption of AI, advanced robotics, humanoid robots, flying vehicles, the move to space. Being a part of the advisory board with Space for Humanity has just opened my eyes so much to what's about to happen. For those leaders out there who've never read the book, The Overview Effect, 
you know, read that because as we have more and more humans going to space and shifting their perception because they have now experienced the overview effect, which you can only get once you've left earth. It's the book is fascinating, but as you have more and more people going through that, you're going to start having people who've had that experience. Those who haven't had that experience, we're going to see massive impact from climate change and then massive realignments of all sorts of housing, infrastructure, new technologies because of the climate, not to mention that we have to clean up so much that we've done to the climate, nothing to do with climate change, just what we've done to the environment. But when you kind of put all those things together, Lisa, in terms of 5G, I mean, you start adding all these technologies up, the amount of stress and the speed of change that happened from the pandemic is really doesn't hold a torch to the, the amount of change that's coming to our employees over the next decade. And we have really done nothing at the pre-K, elementary, you know, all K through 12, higher education to teach resiliency, problem solving. You turn on the Olympics at night and you look at the athletes breaking down on live TV because of the pressure on them. And we're sort of all watching it, not really sure, you know, and you just look at what's happened. It's getting, it's going to be worse. Like there is no recovery period coming after the pandemic. Like it's not like you had a a bender of a weekend and you get to take (laughs) a couple of days off and recover. Like this is just the speed of this is just getting faster and faster. So if companies don't bring you in or another expert in to deal with, you know, the burnout and really build these skills and make these culture changes that have to happen, I'm just not sure how the human beings the biological human beings inside of organizations can keep up with all of this. Cause the last two, three years was really just a dress rehearsal for the amount of stress that we're going to be under over the next decade. I'm taking a moment of pause because that's a lot to take in for anyone Sorry. listening. No, 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 no. <laughs> and it's freaking true. So I just want to give everybody a chance to like take a deep breath and know that we can do hard things as I think Glennon Doyle says we can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah, this is like the dress rehearsal. (laughs) I know for sure, for sure that the leaders that take this seriously now Mm -hmm. and develop their people skills and take their teams from what I call liabilities because they're not caring, feeding, leading, communicating these teams into assets where they are doing that for these businesses. Those are the ones that will survive and thrive and actually become the new normal of work. Yeah. Right. And so you're describing like the environment all around it and we're working with leaders inside it. And I think it's really important what you just said that we actually put that on the table because everybody I think is waiting to exhale. Yeah. I'm not sure when they're going to have time to do that other than on like their one week vacation. Um, but you know, in the grand scheme and so none of this stuff can be managed, like, like the external factors can't be slowed down. You know what I'm saying? Like these things have their own pace and they're going to bring their own curveballs and surprises and all of that, those disrupt, those nonstop disruptions that are coming. So the only way you can deal with it is to build the culture inside the organization. I mean, even simple things, it always surprised me how, I mean, organizations are always going to pack too much in the day. Like not always, obviously your clients are working on on that and making progress on that, but generally the marketplace is really fast. So we, so we fill our days, you know, really well. I think that one of the mistakes I made 
when I was younger and I was in corporate before I left to start my own business was that I think I was waiting for someone else to come give me a break. Like that they would say, Hey, Angelique, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been working like crazy. You should probably slow down on Friday. Like I was always waiting for that. And what I didn't necessarily appreciate and realize was I actually was empowered to take care of myself. And I think that is, you know, when you look at the work that you do in the world, Lisa, you and your team, it's really about making sure because no one's really coming to save us. Do you know what I mean? Like um, the one CIO that I worked with, she would always say, remember, no one's going to build a monument in your name. You have to, like, you have to really take pride, like decide what you want to accomplish and you need to self-manage your own pace and, and care for your own wellness because no one else in the organization is really going to do that. Not that we can't teach leaders to do it, but I think in a lot of companies, you know, the work that you do about helping the individual understand how to manage their energy yep. yeah. and care for themselves and the mindset piece that goes with the burnout, right? And I just really gave away all my power. Let me say it that way. When I was in corporate, I gave away all my power. And I think for me, the moment, like the reckoning moment for me was I had had bronchitis. It was really bad. My fear was like 103 or 104. And I was leading internal and financial communications for a Fortune 100 company. And I'm homesick in bed. And I get a phone call from the senior VP that I worked for who said, you need to get to the office tomorrow morning, sick or not sick. We've got to bring you over the wall on a huge thing that you're going to have to sign an NDA on. So I went into the office the next morning signed the NDA. Turns out we were announcing, this was like Friday morning, uh, on Monday morning, right before the markets opened, we were going to announce a merger. And, and we're a publicly traded company. So this is like a, a big deal. And um, I didn't realize when I went into the office on Friday that I wasn't going to go home again until Monday. I was basically going to shower in the gym downstairs, take cat naps on my desk and live off a of Red Bull for the next three to four days and basically sleep like an hour a night for like three straight days. Now, mind you, I have 103, 104 fever. <laughs> And I didn't bring clothes with me, you know? So anyways, we work straight through the weekend. And then Monday morning, we make the announcement. I do a bunch of media interviews. My boss is doing media. You know, we're, we're like full, like full on media interviews. And because I worked in the, the media relations group. And so at some point I collapsed onto the floor <laughs> and two coworkers walked over me. Like I'm lying on the floor and two coworkers walked over me. And then third, a vice president came walking by and was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is a problem, you know? And so she actually called a car service for me and sent me home. And I don't know that I woke up for like the next 48 hours, but it was really lying on the floor, looking at the ceiling tiles. We all know those ceiling tiles, right? The the fluorescent lights and the ceiling tiles thinking, huh, this doesn't seem like I've made a series of good decisions that I'm lying here on this floor and people are stepping over me right now. One of the things that organizations need to do is work with an organization like yours that's really going to make sure that also every person in the organization, because it can't only be about the leaders either, right? It has to be everyone. It has to be the whole culture. And I think that's what's really amazing about the work that you do is it takes a holistic, cohesive end-to-end approach because no one-off program solves this. Yeah. I thank you for that. That means a lot to me because I know you you've seen what we do and why we do it. 
I just have to go back real quick to coworkers stepping over you. That's literal. That's figurative. There's metaphors in there. There's all this. Yes. And yes. But know, I did mean it literally, but you're right. Figuratively yeah, as well. Right? Yes. They and were it's stepping like, over me. And you know, this is the always on never good enough. We'll replace you tomorrow. Life in tech that I, that I'm working in all the time that you're yeah. describing through your own experience. And what I know, oh my gosh, every person that I've come across and my own journey and my own stories as well. I had an emergency room visit. That was my wake up call. Everybody has this. And yeah. then you, then you go, wait a minute. I should count. What, what, what the hell? Yeah. Am I the only one that could do this? And could you not see the sweat dripping down my face or I'm laying on the floor? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, what, why am I here? If I don't matter. It's definitely yeah. that. Yeah. It's definitely that awakening moment. Right. And you know, what we do. So at Bold House, you know, we're a global community. We, we mentor small businesses, diverse businesses to work with corporate clients. But I, let me say this to the, to the leaders in tech listening to this. About 90%, now we have clients in 72 countries around the world, but about 90% of our clients share one, one very powerful thing in common, and that is they are a corporate escapee. They are someone who was tremendously valuable, dedicated, driven, hardworking, but also exhausted, burned out, taken for granted, et cetera, who left corporate to basically start their own consulting or professional services business where they had greater control over their lives. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, I think, you know, as you're making purchasing decisions, some of the smartest people that you're going to get the best, most innovative solutions, but more importantly, you're going to get the truth from are because look, if you're dealing with Accenture, no, 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 like, listen, I came out of that world too. I worked for one of Accenture's competitors, but there's nothing wrong with those organizations. They're very dedicated, but generally speaking, you know, they're not going to speak truth to you because they can't lose the account. You know, can you imagine you're a senior manager and you're saying something really tough to a leader and then you lose the account for a Deloitte or that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough day for you. And so I think what's really powerful about working with the corporate escapees, besides for the fact that they're agile and innovative and, you know, really can, can move. I mean, you know, Lisa, when someone works with you, I know that you're really able to customize the work that you're doing with them. You're not beholden to, well, this is the corporate way of doing it because, you know, we're major Acme Corporation and we have to do it this way, right? You're not E-Corp for the Mr. Robot fans out there, you know, but when you're an E-Corp, you are somewhat limited in what you can do. But I will say that if you don't address this in your organization, your favorite people are going to end up in my community at Bold House because they're going to say, I actually do deserve better and I can just do this for myself and I can take on the amount of clients I want to take on and the projects I want to take on and set my hours and charge what I want to charge and really be completely empowered. And that actually, it's good for our business. And we we obviously love when people come and work with us, but it does scare me a little bit, Lisa, because we need the major airlines. We need the major social media companies and technology companies. Like we need those companies and those companies 
companies need really great people who are in their best health and their best state of mind, their best mindset, their best health, their best level of performance. Because when I get on an airplane or I invest in my new computer or I invest in a new software or whatever it is, I want to know that I'm really getting the best. And so, you know, we need companies to be successful. We need them to keep their best people. Um, and not have them lying on the floor being stepped over by coworkers. Like that, it doesn't seem that hard. I mean, we we are now sending people out to, you know, zero orbit frequently. We are getting rocket ships frequently mm-hmm. off the ground. Now you would think that we could at least deal with some of this other self-inflicted stuff. Yeah, I think you and I had this conversation a while back where I was like, you know, yoga days and mindfulness retreats, like that's not it, people. Not it. <laughs> it's the genuine appreciation as a people leader this amazing opportunity that you have to create a culture where no one's being stepped over when they're passed out after three days of binge working on a secret project. And everyone in tech gets that with all the tape outs, all the new acquisitions and projects, then everything that's going on, it's the same. Yep. Right. And there are people laying down being stepped over and then they're just moved aside. Mm Mm-hmm. And then here comes the next. And so one of my questions is with what you're saying, you're talking about how you're taking, you embracing the refugees, I might call them the escapees, right? Giving them their oxygen again, showing them how to like get their life back and then be of service and of value add, right? And then on the other side, there's this group of people who are laying on the floor, giving it their all and not owning their own power. So if you're a leader in that space right now, and you have these high-performing teams, but you know you're going to be managing your budget through layoffs, mm-hmm. and you know that there's more where there there's more where we can find more of these. Mm. Like, what's the real cost mm. for that leader? Because I yeah. feel like the system supports walking over people sometimes more than I'd like it to. It's really like a nine-layer cake of costs. First, there's the knowledge that walks out of your organization, you know, when that person person walks out. But, and I don't have an exact data point on this, although I guess somebody should probably do this. It sure seems to me that it's some of the hardest working, brightest people that tend to burn themselves out. I mean, when you really, I mean, I'm not trying to be, but I mean, look, I had a coworker at that same company who would frequently fall asleep at his desk every day. And I'm not kidding, but he had been with the company a long time. Company was like, yeah, we're just going to look the other way. Cause we're not going to have that law. We're not going to fire this person. Like, you know what I mean? There's that yeah. whole thing, Yeah. but he was not the one, you know, he was napping at his desk and, and, and listening to his iPod half the time or whatever the headphones were back, back then. <laughs> what scares me is that, especially because so many of our community. I mean, we've been doing this. I started working with small business owners in 2007. So I've been doing this a long time. And the people who end up in our community who are the corporate escapees are brilliant people. I mean, this is like brilliant people. They are, there is a tremendous work ethic in this. That's part of the problem because there are people like you and I, Lisa, who, who, if we're given a project and a deadline and it needs to get done, a merger has to get announced. It's like, well, we just can't sleep. We have to get this done. There's this sense of ownership and responsibility that runs so deep. And yet those are the very people that organizations are most likely to lose because no one is really watching out for them. And so you look at organizations talking about the fact that they're having trouble hiring really great people. Well, 
how many years of really great people did you let collapse figuratively on the floor and, and lose those people? And so it just doesn't make any sense to me because it's really the super, like the overachievers that you most need to really think about because the, the overachiever burnout club is the big burnout club. Trust me. It is not the slackers who are like, you know, playing video games. And then someone comes over. It's the overachievers. Like you're losing your most profitable employees who work overtime, who work double time during the hours they work. I mean, I would work circles around people. I would get like 10 projects done to my coworkers one. And so, you know, that's who you're going to let go. I just, I don't understand the math on that. Like somebody would, there's got to be an algorithm on that, right? Somebody in tech has an algorithm on that. So not me. a call out for it. We're going to get you that number because Right. What I know, even so we do, we do Gallup strengths, Clifton strengths mm-hmm. with every person that comes through our door. It's one assessment. We do others. And every time that someone shows up with, with responsibility in their top mm-hmm. five, I sit them down and we have a real conversation because responsibility is well, you just described responsibility, psychological ownership, tremendous work ethic. I can do it better than anybody can. Mm-hmm. Just let me do it. I can do it. Right. That's that. And I have this too. The, the heck, that's why I burnt out. And mm-hmm. I think the magic in what you're saying has to do with that people that have such high psychological ownership of whatever task they're given or project or responsibility they have, they give away their power in the process because they're holding yes. on to it because it's such yes. a, it feed, it's like a, it feeds you. Yes. And so the magic in what you said was when you said, I gave away my power for everyone to hear, I, I want to shine a light on what a gift you just gave everybody listening because you do have more power, especially if you're a high achieving, high responsibility person, because they they don't really don't want to get rid of you or lose you. <laughs> But they don't know what to do with you because if they tell you to turn it off, you might stop. And then they're like, well, shit, Angelique just kept going. So just let her go. It's, you know, we'll just feed her and throw her a water bottle once in a while. And so the leaders don't know how to have that conversation. And that's one thing we help them with. Mm. Also, the people with responsibility really work with them on boundaries. A lot of conversation, a lot of tools and resources what does work-life integration look like for you? When are you at your best? And what are you doing just because they asked you to? Like, and yes. what, what's possible for oh. you to say no? Or, hey, so-and-so might be better for that than me. I'm happy to mentor, but not do. I no. had no ability to set boundaries. The only boundary that I could set was to quit. Right. And, yes. and that is, and I think if you don't teach your team boundaries and you don't teach your leaders bound to respect boundaries and to even watch for the red flags when someone's not setting boundaries and they're working themselves literally to death. Right. And I know the Japanese have an actual turn terminology for literally working yourself to death, but I won't try to pronounce it <laughs> in my Baltimore accent. The only boundary a lot of people then set is the I quit because there's no other boundary that they've been empowered with. And then leaders aren't really taught to look for those red flags or to really help, you know, those things. So it really does end up pushing the overachiever out the door because they're left with that as their only escape valve. Yeah. And, you know, one of my other coworkers ended up with such exhaustion. She had to take, uh, she had to basically go on short. I, I don't know if it was like legally short-term to, I, I don't want to say, cause she literally had to leave for months and months and months to just recover because her body had gone into sort of such overdrive, um, that she was completely, she literally was suffering from exhaustion. And so I 
I think that, you know, what do leaders have to do? They have to teach their people how to set those boundaries. They have to identify the really overachievers because I think those are the ones that are often at the greatest risk. They have to teach their leaders the signs to look for. Lisa, I know you talk with your clients about this all the time, but to just kind of edify that, you can't have programs in name only. You can't have you can't have one statement on the mission statement and culture statement but in reality, everyone knows that that's not the actual culture, right? That there's like, well, this is what it says, but that's a joke. And so you really have to have that top-down leadership. But I think, again, that comes back to communication because if you don't understand what's being said in meetings, if you don't understand what's being said in one-on-one conversations, if you don't understand how a directive about you've got to meet your sales numbers, you know, that's all communication. And that's really driving a lot of this this burnout. I mean, if I could just say full circle, that was beautiful. Well, this is why you're who you are. You just took us on the whole journey and back, Angelique. And I think when when I finish this recording today and we put this episode out there, I think the greatest gift we could give people is there's two things I'd love to say. One is we have a playlist and we always put a song in there from every guest. It's something that raises their vibe or helps them reflect or even just take that micro chill moment that we all need when we're burning out. And I'm curious if a song comes to mind for you, because I'd love to add it. Oh, I love that. I think one of my favorite songs is Paradise by George Ezra. I think that we all need that sort of like happy, happy song. It just gets us to the place of being outside in the sun. Now I said Baltimore, I'm from Baltimore. I live in South Florida now. I moved here because that moment of going outside and seeing the blue sky and the sun and the birds, like the tropical birds and the palm trees, it like, it's that moment of remembering why we're here. And I think that's That's a great song to really remember. And we spend too far too much of our life indoors attached to electronics and not nearly enough time, literally barefoot outside and and having those sort of, you know, negative ions connecting into the ground and just like all the amazing things that happen for us when we do that. And, you know, before you can lead anyone else, you have to connect in with yourself. So I would just encourage that song and, or whatever song really helps you connect back in with like this right here, because that's really how we can touch and lead others is to really be connected in. Mm, I love this. And there was, I I don't know this song and I can't wait to go listen to it. I'm sure Paradise by George Ezra, right? Did I say, yeah, let me make sure. Cause you know, my husband makes fun of me because I constantly screw up song names What's really funny is my husband is a drummer and he is a tremendous Rush fan. And so just really into music. And I am tone deaf, can't remember lyrics, can't remember the names of songs. So it's just really funny because we are definitely complete opposites. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and I want to add one more song. My other song that's really good, if we can put two on it, is Shotgun. Um, So put Shotgun in Paradise because those two songs together are like the perfect release song. So I'm going to add that one too. My daughter has a beautiful voice and she tells me never to sing, but I always know when I'm when I'm aligned with myself, I'm singing. This is yes. why I created this playlist. So I love every time it. she'll hear me singing when I'm like in tune, she's like, oh, please stop. I'm like, no, this is when I'm like, I'm in my groove. I'm in the zone. I'm good. So yeah, oh, I you're love off it. tone and my lack of vocal, perhaps we can form our own band someday. Here's my last question for everybody. I'd love to leave them with a reflection question. 
So if you could ask leaders today to think about something mm-hmm. with everything that you're exposed to and all the different clients that you work with and what's been on your heart, especially when it came to strategic communications, what question would you leave them with to reflect on to really let this settle in for them? So I think the reflection question that I would that I would have for everyone is how can I reduce the amount of stress that our organization is putting on our employees or on your team. So if you're a senior leader, you know, that you're putting on the organization, or if you're just, if you're a leader that's putting, you know, that has a team, what can you do to alleviate some of the, again, that sort of self-inflicted stress burden that you're adding to your team because you are not communicating with them early enough, frequently enough, or transparently enough, or not trusting them with the communications. And thus, you are actually personally adding additional stress onto your team. And I think if you look at that and you really sit with that and you ask yourself that on a frequent basis, then you're going to be able to start. I think there's a moral obligation. Let me put it that way. I think there's a moral obligation to look at when you're creating unnecessary stress. Because again, there's plenty of stress out there that we all just have to deal with because it's the course of business these days. But where are you really adding that it's not really fair to add that? And I think that's really the question. Because, And then the other piece of it is, do you have a moral obligation as a leader to do what you can to take some of that off your team? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the real question. If we start asking leaders to think about their moral obligation to care for their team in a different way, what does that mean? Yeah. This question we leave you with today, what is it you can do to take some of the stress, uncertainty, and pressure off your team through your communication channels? And do you see yourself having a moral obligation? Mm-hmm. I will raise my hand and say, yes, that doesn't mean you agree with me. And that would be your lens for this question. So yeah. Angelique, I know they can find you at boldhouse.com. I know you're very active on all the social channels. Is there one place you'd like to send our guests to learn more about Bold House and what you all do? Yeah, uh, definitely boldhouse.com. And you guys can see the spelling right behind me over my shoulder. And um, the other would be on LinkedIn is probably my most active uh, and easiest way to connect with me is, is through LinkedIn for sure. And also say really unapologetically that if um, that if you haven't had a chance to have a conversation with Lisa and her team about what it even looks like to change culture, that you need to have that conversation sooner rather than later because until there's a greater understanding of what that even looks like and what that process is, um, the worst thing to do is to assume that you can solve this problem through a workshop or a one-off program. It's really about stepping back and just understanding how to take a whole new approach. And I think that's something that every organization at least owes themselves that conversation uh, and a look at today. But thank you so much for having me, Lisa. This was really a great conversation and one that I hope inspires a lot of conversations inside of organizations. Oh, Angelique, thank you so much. Thank you for the trust that you've put in us and what you see in us. RLD Group is on a mission to eradicate burnout in tech, right? And I'm so grateful for this conversation because this is value add. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Lisa. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury. Head on over to wherever you find your other favorite podcasts and subscribe to Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury. Leave a review with some of that five-star love. And let's keep it real. 
There's a reason why you're listening to this. If you don't get the support you need and start making changes in your life and work as a leader in tech, you can expect regret and burnout in the near future. Lisa and the team at RLD Group have been in your shoes, sat in those meetings, and experienced everything you can imagine as a leader in tech. They can help you get kick-ass results at work without burning out, so you can be present for the moments that matter to you and your loved ones. Take your first step by visiting rldgroupllc.com. RLD Group helps develop technical experts lacking people leadership skills from being a company's biggest liability into their greatest asset. Find out more at rldgroupllc.com. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time on Control-Alt-Delete with Lisa Dury, powered by RLD Group, as we help you reboot your leadership drive.